Welcome to the Dope CFO Podcast, where you can find the best information for accountants and bookkeepers that want to start and grow a highly profitable and flexible remote cannabis accounting firm with your host, Andrew Hunziker. Now that's dope. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Hunziker, CPA, also CFO, founder of Dope CFO as well. Um, quick about my background, I've been a CPA for over 25 years, was at a big four, um, including PricewaterhouseCoopers. I won the gold medal award for the highest score in the CPA exam, as well as was runner up for the Portland, Oregon Business Journal CFO of Year Award in 2017. And I was the first ever cannabis CFO to be nominated. Done lots of startup work as well. Um, and love um, teaching all of our community. We have now over 500 people in all 50 states in our Dope CFO program. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Um, this is Andrew Hunziker, CPA. I'm going to do the webinar today. Um, and let's just kind of jump in. I'll um, talk, we'll go through all the entity stuff um, and accounting and all that stuff. And then at the end, I will probably last 15 minutes go over the Dope CFO program in case you're interested in what our program does and wants to join us as well. Let me just turn my... Okay. So everything you need to know about entities, we're going to look at a lot of this. I get questions about this stuff all the time, and it's it's kind of messy in this, this niche with entities in general. We're going to go over um, common entity structures, pros and cons of each, owner and investor goals. We need to look at both because more often than not, we're going to have owners, more than one, there may actually be one founder at day one, but more often than not, that founder is going to need money and they're going to bring on a lender or an investor or both. And some of those investors and or other owners have different goals. Some may be more focused on asset protection. Think people who are worth 20 to $100 million versus someone who may not have a lot of assets to protect and is mostly focused on tax minimization. Those are two different goals and you need to figure out which is which for which owner. We'll look at the key differences, the differences in accounting and tax, and then we'll look at the niche at the end as well as some startup considerations. <clears throat> so I won't spend much on this. I'm Hopefully you've seen me before. I speak around the US. I'm the founder of Dope CFO. I've been a CPA and CFO for a long time, almost 30 years. I come out of big four. I've won awards both as a CPA and as a CFO, and I've been in this niche for about six years now, and I teach. We have people in the program from all over the U.S., and I'm also teaching for the AICPA as well at this point. Background. Okay, so Bloomberg projected 90 billion. Those numbers are way low. Um, every time I've actually got a new slide on this, um, I look at this number, it goes up and up and up because more and more markets are opening up. Um, California alone is around a $100 billion market if you take illegal and legal together. Um, so, and we're not even talking the medicine side of things could be humongous. So as we go out two, three, four years, we're going to see rapid expansion of these numbers. 
the fact is right now there's about 120,000 companies in the U.S. cannabis CBD hemp. That number's easily going to be half a million companies in the next two to three years as the East Coast is just completely, we've all seen almost from top to bottom open up. We've seen, I mean, in the election we had, you know, New Jersey, Arizona, five um five states come on board and then since the election we've seen just yeah new york rhode island delaware um, virginia who else can connecticut all these states are voting it in so the market's growing very very rapidly lots and lots of startups the people that get in early are going to have a field day the people in my program they are stealing clients left and right from people who are not in my program that are bookkeepers or EAs or CPAs, because the, the simple fact is most people um, don't have this, the skills and tools built to actually serve this niche correctly. The On the flip side, these companies, they realize today in the news, there were two, the top two news stories on Gondrepreneur were about people being arrested for fraud, IRX tax errors, et cetera. And so, they're kind of, everyone's coming. The TIGDA report here in, mentioned this. This was even before the elections last year. We need to have more, more compliance. We need to attack this industry. There's big dollars here. Biden has just backed this up. He's wanting to expand the IRS in general, and they're going to be coming after the cannabis place in a big way. So these companies need to be doing things right. So these are questions we want to consider at the outset of a company. I see this question all the time in groups. Hey, I've got a farm. What's the best ownership structure? And then someone else responds, oh, they should be an LLC or without knowing anything. And I'm like, wrong answer. The answer is it depends on many, many, many things. And until you uncover answers to questions, you will not have any idea what the best structure is. Other main point, we are, for the most part, not attorneys. Now, that said, we've got, I think, six attorneys in our group. So we, we do have people that we can bounce ideas off of um, in our community. But most of us serving clients are not attorneys. And there are many, many legal entities and cannabis CBD hemp companies. So first thing I'm going to say, if I see a client without an attorney or they've form their LLC off the internet or whatever is like, stop. We're going to get a good corporate attorney. We're going to get a good tax attorney. Hopefully in the cannabis space, I'll recommend somebody because they have to have somebody on board. Literally there's, it, we'll, we'll get into some of the complexity, but they do not want to do this without a good attorney. Um, so these are questions I want to know. How many owners are there right now? Founders, how many investors, how many are expected in year one? What's the amount of capital they're looking to raise? What's the amount? Um, and are there going to be additional rounds? Usually there are. Um, they may not be a startup, but you may come in and they might be like, oh, yeah, I've got four different entities and two people own that entity and me and my sister on this one. And you've got to dig in to find out just what's going on at day one. Then we need to look at the goals of each owner. We see this many, many times. The angel investor, I've seen this situation like three times now. The rich uncle Maybe like this guy, I know Vern's got a you know a $10 million construction company and he lent his, lent his nephew $3 million to launch the cannabis farm. And so the young owner is who's building the farm is like 26 and nothing to lose. This other person has a lot to lose. And so we have to look at these different goals of each one and see what's, and not only that, what's their tax situation? Maybe 199A is what for LLCs and flow throughs is really good for Sally but her partner, Joe, 
it doesn't work at all. And he would be much better suited for a C Corp. So we need to find, and, and if two owners have different goals, whose are more important? So if I'm, if I'm the rich uncle writing a check for 3 million bucks, I can darn well tell you my goals are more important than the CEOs of the company. I'm going to, because I'm putting the money in. So we need to, to dig through this. Also can, if it's going to be a flow through, is there going to be money to pay the tax bills that will be coming on a cannabis company every year? I've seen this too, where LLCs are set up without forced distributions and I get calls from a partner, hey, I own 30% of this company and they won't pay me a cash tax distribution and I'm having to pay tax to the IRS every year. Bad situation. We want to find that out. Um, so minority interest holder, minority interest is someone who owns less than the 50% or lack of control. Um, we need to make sure they know they have lack of control over distributions. We want to make sure they have an operating agreement. Also, what are their current tax rates? What do we expect just with the Biden administration? We're right in the middle of a big, huge tax battle right now, both on the general tax side, but also on the cannabis tax side, the current bill in the Senate would tax um, an excise tax on cannabis companies up to 25%, huge rate. Um, so anyway, lots of things to know. We we already talked about how booming startups are. This These two numbers already are wrong. I think it's 39 and 18 right now. Um, they're debating literally right now in Congress on these bills. Is it going to come off schedule one? Are we going to delay it again? I think we're moving quickly that way, no matter what. The states are are beating the feds and if pretty soon we're going to have all 50 states there. Um, but we'll see that. If it's pulled off schedule one, we even have more complexity, really. We've seen this with CBD hemp because it, it was pulled off schedule one and it is legal. But they've got now they've got to deal with the FDA and USDA and regulation of medical drugs. And so our owners need to realize they have a lot of compliance. There are so many CBD companies that are not even considering that at all and actually doing things illegally um, per the FDA regulations. So we need to make sure they know about that as well. Us as accountants, we got to be able to navigate tax issues, accounting issues, know the court cases, there's banking and cash issues, software issues, uh, merchant services. We got to understand issues related to startups, raising capital, pitch decks, financial models, cap tables. What does that stuff mean? Convertible notes. We need the tools and knowledge to serve that because you, if you pick this niche, you're going to be dealing with startups. And we talked about this. Uh, most It's growing rapidly. So the, the cannabis or CBD hemp investor, really both, um, many of these these early investors were less focused on accounting, transparency, controls, and they were just like, oh, crap, we got to get in early. Um, a good example, this is MedMen. There's actually an article out this week on MedMen trying to restructure. They're selling stuff off. It was a total disaster. That's where a good product with a absolutely horrible team was run into the ground. And so... Um, Investors now are going to be much more serious as these markets open up and even as they go federally legal, we're going to see much, much higher standards of due diligence and they're not just going to come in and help help any old company. Um, so we're, we got to be ready for that. They're concerned about taxes. They're also concerned that things are done correctly. Investors are thinking about the exit in year three to five to seven. And they know if, if the taxes are not done correctly, when the due diligence comes in at exit, if they find errors in the tax returns, that's going to be a big issue. Not to mention 
errors in your tax and, and license requirements, they can lose their license. And if you invest in a farm and they lose their license, your investment just went to zero. So they're very concerned. They, they're not as concerned as when you go to these conferences and you talk to the random owner and they're like, hey, I just want to beat 280. How do I beat it? I don't care if it's correct or not. I want to be aggressive. Well, that's not going to fly with, with companies raising money. Um, also, more investors are much more interested in C-Corp structures for many reasons. It will be easier to raise more money. It's easier to do an exit. Um, it's much better on the asset protection side. There's minimized risk of audit failure for IRS and co company audits. These audits cannot bleed into the personal. So if you have an LLC with three owners and one of the owners is worth $100 million, the IRS can go to audit the cannabis company and then bleed that audit into the personal um, IRS audit of the personal's return. Investors do not want that at all. <laughs> I can guarantee that as well. None of them do. Um, so we got to look at that as well, and we'll look at some of this. So let's jump into the tax codes. All right, I think I'm right on time. I got a lot of slides, so I'm I'm going to move pretty quick. But um, 280E um, is the the big tax code overlaying this industry. Basically, it says if you sell cannabis or THC products per Schedule One of the Controlled Substance Act. And, and your business does this. It doesn't say legal entity, by the way. It says business. So you could have 10 legal entities and the IRS could come in and say, I don't care that you got 10 legal entities. It looks to me like you got a dispensary and a farm. That makes the whole operation illegal. That means you get no deductions or credits on your tax return. Many people are at risk of not, they think they're beating this by multi-entity structures and they may not be. Um, you can go read the Harborside case. They lost big time on this um, exact these exact issues. We've got 199A laws. Sometimes these are very, very nice um, tax breaks for, for some um, owners. And so we need to look at how that's affected. Um, also, what, what's going to happen to our corporate rates this year? The, the tax proposals, rates are going up on pretty much whether you look at corporate rates, capital gains, estate taxes, gifts, taxes are going up um, more than likely. And so how's that gonna affect us? C-Corp still may make sense even with double taxation. You know, you might get some 1202 capital gain exclusion at exit if you have a, a qualified C-Corp. Also, what are the 1031 and like kind of exchange issues, estate issues and more? So many, many issues to be thinking about for these owners. And where we, what we can do is, is be knowledgeable and have opinions and help them. So I'm, again, I'm not gonna tell them I'm not an attorney, but if I have a client that comes to me and they've got, they've got their attorney and they set up nine legal entities because they're gonna beat 280E, I'm gonna give them my advice. Say, hey, yeah, listen to your attorney. He's the attorney or she, but I've got opinions. Here's a case. Have you read this? Have you thought about this? Just make sure you know the pros and cons because if your attorney's wrong and you get audited five years from now and they tell you you owe a million dollars, guess what? Your attorney's not gonna be there by your side um, helping you pay the bill. Um, of course, they'll represent you, but they're gonna charge you an arm and a leg later for that as well. So here's, let's just look at the pros and cons real quickly of each. Each I'm, I'm gonna have two main buckets here. C-Corps versus flow-throughs. So there's a lot of pros for C-Corps. Easier for capital raise, 
21% rate right now. Again, that could go up. We'll see what happens. They're debating it right now. Much better for asset protection. The If there is an IRS liability, and by the way, investors should know the IRS is coming after these big companies because they should. They're getting, they're winning millions of dollars. And and so it makes sense. If you're at the IRS, yeah, let's go target the, com the companies where we're going to make the most money um, as well. The audit of the entity will stay at that level, potential 1202 gain. The cons are double taxation. There's a little bit more cost to set up and maintain um, and likely that the tax rate will, will increase. Now, LLCs, you might get better tax rates, maybe. Depends on each owner and investor. And so owner A may get tons, a great effective tax rate, whereas owner B may not. Um, so that that so again, it depends. Until you dig, 199A rules are incredibly complex and every person is different. And so it just, there is no answer anymore. And I mean, that's good news for us as accountants and tax people, they're going to need us. It's so complicated now. They always talked about tax simplification. Forget it. It's gone the other way. Um, there's a single tax, easy to set up, easy to maintain. Um there's cons you have to look at, make sure the owners are doing reasonable compensation and self-employment tax issues. The IRS audits can leak. We talked about that. We talked about minority interest issues, um, potential that tax payments likely will be due by the owners, not by the company every um, year, and there may not be money to pay that. So you better have the deep pockets. Um, harder to raise capital as well, and you won't get 1202 either. And, and IRS audit liabilities can drop to the personal level. Now let's look real quickly at multi-entity structures because more than likely you're going to see multi-entities. You may have both. You may have C, a C-Corp holding company and LLCs underneath, and it may make sense. There, there are reasons to use these. We're going to see these, whether we like them or not, we're going to see these with our clients more often than not. So we better be aware of them. Um, better for asset protection potentially easier to access banking and other services. So you have a cannabis entity, but maybe you have an equipment company, a real estate company, and maybe an IP company. Those companies aren't cannabis, so they can potentially get banking way easier. They might mitigate some tax issues if you're doing it right. Like say, say you have cookies is a good example of a dispensary that has a really massive clothing line, multi-million dollar. If you have a legitimate non-cannabis business that is serving different markets, it's a real company. Yeah, you can get some benefits. Most often that's not the case. You got a dispensary with seven entities and doing 5 million in sales and they've got a t-shirt division selling 50 grand a year and losing money. That doesn't work. Um, Multi-entity structures are definitely more costly to set up and maintain. Again, could be good news for us. More accounting needed, more tax returns. We got to manage now intercompany accounts, related parties, more tax filings. Um, we, we might have both consolidations. We may have standalones, business or financial combinations and consolidation. So lots more reporting, more complex legally, more documents to maintain. And it may not be a good strategy to be 280E, which is their reason to start with. You've been listening to the Dope CFO Cannabis Accounting Podcast. 
Every other Monday, we air tips and insights on cannabis and CBD hemp accounting. Make sure you subscribe today and also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. We're pretty much everywhere for more advice, tips, industry news as well. Um, to find out more about our cannabis and CBD accounting program, visit dopecfo.com and don't forget to be dope.